Hello and welcome to the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. This is episode number 53. My name is Ismael San Juan. Thank you so much for being here. The Clippers and the Suns just played an epic game two. We'll touch on all of that crazy, crazy ending. Bucks and Nets played another epic game seven. The Bucks squeak out a victory. The Nets are going home. Ben Simmons has a terrible, terrible second round in the playoffs against the Hawks. The Hawks move on. Shout out to them, but we'll touch on Ben Simmons. And last but not least, I'll give my Wimbledon prediction, which kicks off in less than a week. Uh, all of that on this episode of the Hearts Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. What did we just watch? That was a crazy, epic game. The Suns squeak out a victory against the Clippers at home. 103-104. to 104. Suns with the last-minute bucket by Aiton get a home victory. They go up 2-0 against the Clippers. The Clippers have been down 0-2 twice these playoffs against the Mavs and against the Jazz, but this one feels a little different. Kawhi is hurt. The Suns are young, athletic, quick, agile team, and they're getting CP3 most likely back by Game 3. So it's just, it looks like it's a big hole for the for the Clippers to jump out of. Um, I wouldn't count them out, though. Uh, they've, they've been resilient. Tyron Lue has made all the right moves in these playoffs. So by no means does this mean that they are done. But the Suns, congratulations to them. They're 2-0 now in the Western Conference Finals. They've won nine games in a row. But let's get to the ending of this game. What a crazy last two minutes. The last, uh, I believe, minute and a half or the last 90 seconds of the game took 33 seconds. I mean, 33 minutes to finish, which was just crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, very entertaining, but let's let's touch on some points. Um, DeAndre Ayton scores the game-winning bucket with 0.9 seconds on the clock. Great inbound inbound pass by Crowder. Um, great uh, screen set by Booker, and DeAndre Ayton is able to get the bucket, which puts them up by one. This was only possible because PG thirteen um, playoff P. He's he had he had played great throughout the playoffs. He had been amazing. Um, he had redeemed himself from last from last year's debacle. He had go, played three straight games, I think four straight games now of 30-plus points at this point. Uh, he had been great. He was the reason the Clippers beat the Jazz. They came back without Kawhi. I don't have too much to say about um, playoff P, about PG-13 up to this point, other than he had been balling out. He had been a great player for the Clippers in the playoffs, and he struggled this game. But he turned it up in the fourth quarter, and the reason the Clippers were in this game was because PG-13 was amazing, phenomenal at the end of the game. Um, he's basically why they took the lead at the end of the game. But with the second, with, what was it, like nine seconds left, he um, he goes to the line. He has two free throws to basically make it a three-point game. It was a one-point game at that point, Clippers lead. He makes both free throws. They're going to need three points they're going to need three points to tie it. There's no way the Clippers lose. That At the very minimum, they're going to overtime if he makes both of his free throws. And he misses the first one. Okay, you know what? That sucks. It's not the end of the world. You make another one. Um, and now you're up two. You force them to go to have to make a three if they want to go for the win. And if you give up a two, then it's not the end of the world. You're going to overtime. But he misses the second free throw, too. And just in unbelievable fashion, PG-13 melts. Um in the free throw line it was just crazy crazy scenes and what got us to that point too pg-13 scored the bucket to 
to get them. I believe he scored the bucket to get them up one. Booker's going down the court, and Patrick Beverly makes a great play, um, knocks the ball out of bounds, and they gave the ball to the Clippers because if you slow down the the, the image to milli milliseconds to nanoseconds, then you could tell that at the very at the very bot the very end of the swap by Patrick Beverly, it, it, his his hand is off and um, Devin Booker's hand is still on it. So because of that, it's Clippers ball. So I have I have some problems with that call. Like I think this the same thing happened against the Cavs in in the finals. It's just like video replay has just been a mess, not just in basketball but in, but in football. Or not football, but yeah, football, uh, soccer, basketball. There's been a lot of video replay that uh, just slows down the game too much. Anyways, they give the ball to the Clippers. I, I think it should have been Suns ball, but since they slowed it down to the very nanosecond, then you could tell that, yeah, it kind of like it, Booker's hand was on it at the last second. Nonetheless, PG-13 chokes. Suns have the ball with nine seconds left. They draw up a nice play. Booker gets double team. He kicks it out. I believe it was Bridges who had a wide open three, and he clanks it. Aiton goes for the rebound, um, and he, but he's not able to get it, but he puts pressure. I believe I was on Subak, who hits the ball out of bounds. 0.9 seconds left. Suns have one last chance. They put in Boogie Cousins to block the inbounds. They run a beautiful play, and DeAndre Aiton slams the ball, dunks the ball, just unbelievable scenes i'm still processing everything that happened just crazy crazy stuff you guys watch this game let me know uh what do you guys thought it was a crazy crazy finish but another gripe that i have is uh with the video replay is that it gives coaches timeouts that they don't they wouldn't otherwise have yeah that was a great play by ayton to score it was beautiful monty williams deserves all the credit in the world for drawing that play up but the suns were out of timeouts at that point and because um, the play um, warranted the referees to go check it on video replay. Then the Suns basically got a free timeout. All the players went to the sidelines. Monty Williams drew up a play, and he drew it up to perfection. Props to him. Monty Williams has a bag, has an out-of-bounds bag. Uh, if it would have been Coach Bootholzer from the Bucks, he probably would have just passed it to Giannis and let him chuck up something. Um, I just had to get out there because Coach Bud, he, he's not the best at out-of-bounds plays. Anyways, I digress. Um, we needed to figure out what to do with these uh, challenges or with these video replays at the end of the game because they give coaches too many timeouts and it it, it kind of diminishes the value of timeouts because there are some coaches that are really good at keeping their timeouts, having a lot of timeouts at the end of the game, and they don't take timeouts throughout the game because they're saving them for the end. And if teams just get free timeouts every time something goes to video replay, and it seems like everything goes to video replay nowadays. A foul, uh, you're gonna check if it's a flagrant one or a flagrant two. Sometimes it's a common foul, and they're just they're just checking it for no reason. Uh, is it gonna be a flagrant? Is it not? Uh, technical? Oh, is is there another technical that's warranted? Like you gotta, is it gonna be a double technical? There's just did anybody come into the into did any of the benches come into the um, court? There's just so much stuff that gets put up to video replay. All, all these out of bounds plays. There's there's too much stuff. And it just gives teams a lot of timeouts that they otherwise wouldn't have. So there, there needs to be some adjustment on that end. But other than that, that, that was a great game. Devin Booker had a decent game. He, 
Beverly um, bumped into him and he started, he broke his nose kind of. It looked like he broke his nose. He was, he was uh, bleeding a lot. Beverly kind of cut his forehead open. It was just a crazy, crazy game. I, I'm still getting all my thoughts together. It's just like, it was incredible. It was a awesome game two. I'm excited for game three. The, these NBA playoffs have been amazing. Um, the second round kind of got uh, slow for a little bit, but then it picked up. And now it has been like these last few games, uh, this last weekend and, and leading up to today, Tuesday, it's just been ridiculous. But what do you guys think? Did you guys watch the game? Um, what do you guys What do you guys think? Should that have been out of bounds Clippers ball? Or, you know, does the rule need some like softening? Like, do you have to interpret it uh, to the letter of the law? Because the ball went out of bounds because Beverly touched it. And if you if you don't cut it frame by frame, then it's obvious like that Beverly was the one that hit it out of bounds. But, I mean, I kind of see why, like, yeah, it hit Booker's hand at the end or, like, it barely grazed him. So I guess you got to – I could see both sides of it. Like, you got to just enforce it by the letter of the law. But I'm more on the side of that whoever kind of, like, pushed it out. Or if it's not, like – if it's not clear and obvious, like, yeah, if you you bump it out of bounds and you could obviously see that it hit me, then then yeah that's fine but if it's like who let go of the i don't know it's hard to explain and also the timeouts these uh video replays they're giving too many timeouts to teams what do you guys think about that and also gotta give uh deandre in a shout out that draft class looks amazing him luca um there's countless other stars from that um draft class uh trey young um bridges both bridges it just looks like they're that draft class is loaded and they're gonna continue to take over the league and Aiden has just proved why he's better than Gobert Gobert he's such a liability he has no offensive game uh his defense is just at the rim he's not that mobile he's not that agile um the Clippers completely picked on him and Aiden has shown his class in two games uh for the Suns in the Western Conference final he has been the difference uh, he's getting the boards. He's dominating. He's actually using his size to an advantage. So shout out to Aiden for being a force down low. And uh, game three is going to be amazing. I'm excited to see how that plays out. Um, are the Clippers out? Not by any chance. Uh, we'll see if Kawhi comes back. It doesn't look like he is, but PG-13, he had a rough, uh, you know, finish to the game, missing through two free throws. But I think he still has something in him, and they go back to L.A., so hopefully they do better. But this series has been amazing. I'm excited to see how it finishes. The Bucks and the Nets played this weekend for Game 7. It was an epic, epic match. Uh, the Bucks get the victory in overtime, 115 to 111. That game was crazy. These NBA playoffs, like I've said, they've been amazing. Uh, they're going to continue to be amazing. I'm so excited. Any any of these four teams could realistically win the championship. Now that the big juggernaut is gone, if the Nets would have found out a, a way to sneak out of this uh, series... Um, Harden was only going to get better if he had no setbacks to his hamstring and they were going to get Kyrie back and then the Nets were going to be dangerous but the Bucks hold on away in Brooklyn just a really amazing game like it, it went uh, let's talk about that KD shot at the end of the game that was ridiculous he was one inch away from um, winning the game but his foot was on the line so it was only a two he tied the game went to overtime and it just seemed like both teams were super fatigued, super tired. There was nothing left in the tank. Brooklyn Nets scored the first two points in overtime. And then both teams just went on to miss 
a lot of shots. It looked like the Bucks were going to blow it. They were running some terrible offensive um, setups, some calls, some sets, whatever you want to call it. They were running terrible plays. Uh, they had no flow to their offense. Um, it was like a Giannis post-up. It was like Middleton just chucking some sh- the shots. It, it looked clumsy. It, it was not appealing to the eye at all. Any other team would have punished them, but the Nets were completely out of gas. Um, Harden was not really contributing much. Um, Joe Harris had one of the worst playoff series of his life or of any player that you want to count on. Um, KD had played the whole game, so he was he was like there was nothing left on his tank. His legs were completely shot. There wasn't really anybody from the Nets that could punish the Bucks in overtime for their inability to create anything on offense. So the first like three and a half minutes, I think there was only two points scored by the Nets. Finally, Giannis gets a point, gets a bucket, ties the game up, and after that, it was just it was hard for the for the Nets to get anything going. I believe the game was tied 109-109, and it finished 115-111. So it was just tough. It was tough. Um, and uh, KD had a chance to tie the game at the end, but he missed the three. He airballed it, and then. Game was pretty much over. Um, shout out to KD. He had another great game. He played the whole game, all 53 minutes. He he was out there on the court. And it was just an epic battle. Uh, KD ended with 48 points, the most ever in a game seven. Uh, so that's really, really impressive stuff by KD. There was nothing much more that he could have done. And Giannis finishes with 40 points. A crazy stat line. Uh, both of them going for 40 points. It was just one of these epic battles that you did not want to miss. Um, and now the I believe the Bucks, in my opinion, should be the favorites to win the title. But I don't know if they deserve it. Like they play very clumsy basketball at times, very unorganized. It doesn't really know they they don't really know what they're doing. Uh, I used to be a real supporter of Mike Budenholzer. Um, I thought he was an underrated coach. He's won two coaches of the year. But he he I saw the one I saw a tweet that I think wraps it up the best. He's the Marty Schottenheimer of the NFL. Marty was great. I used to be a Charger fan when they were in his deal before they betrayed us before the Spanos took him to LA. Um, I was a diehard Charger fan, and I remember when they fired him because he just couldn't get stuff done in the playoffs. He's a great regular season coach. Um, was that the great? Was that the best decision? Well, the Chargers had, didn't really end up winning anything. They they did win some playoff games after they fired him. So at the time, it did seem like it was right. Who knows what would have happened? But this seems to be almost the same situation where Mike Budenholzer, um, coach Mike, coach Bud, he looks like he's a great regular season coach. He knows how to coach up the guys for the regular season. But when the playoffs comes, he just gets out outclassed, out coached by the other coaches. And he doesn't know how to adjust. He didn't know how to punish um, the Nets for playing James Harden too long. So if you, I mean, if you just think about it, like the Bucks, are they the most deserving team? Probably not. But do they have the most talent? Are they the healthiest? Yes, they are. And they have a two-time MVP in Giannis. So in my opinion, they should be the favorites to win it all. Um, if Kawhi was healthy, then I think the Clippers would be right up there too. <clears throat> But other than that, the series was amazing. Um, it looked like it was going to be amazing when everybody was healthy. And then it looked like the Nets were going to blow them out. And then the last four or five games were amazing. So this series lived up to the hype. We'll see how the Nets do next season. Um, once everyone gets healthy, we'll see how invested the three stars are, how invested the rest of the team is. Um, the Nets, they basically just got to stay healthy. And Joe Harris, like, 
come on, man, what were you doing? Like, like for real, you're one of the best shooters in the NBA. You're you're amazing. Like we all know what you could do. It was just I don't know. Was he in his head? Was he did he not get enough sleep? Was was the food bad? I don't know. But something was off with Joe Harris, and uh, I feel like if Joe Harris would have had just a tad bit of a better series, they would have been way better off. Also, I think Steve Nash, two-time MVP, he's a great player. He's a Hall of Famer, but he doesn't seem to be cut out for this job. I think it's. Uh, I think he just didn't know how to push the but the right buttons. Unlike Tyron Lue, who makes his whole team, like every everybody on his team has to roll. Will get minutes either in this series or the next series. Tyron Lue has been. He I completely changed my mind on Tyron Lue. He's a great coach. Steve Nash looks like he just. I mean, it's pretty simple. He's like, oh, this is my best players. I'm going to play them all the game, basically. And if they need a little rest, I'll just put somebody in for like two, three minutes. And then you come out, you go back in. It doesn't really look like he knows how to draw up plays. Like, I already criticized Coach Bud. They had an out-of-bounds plays at the end of regulation where they didn't even get a shot up. Um, Brooke Lopez just kind of wasted the clock and kicked it out way too late. Didn't even get a shot up. I put that on an Obviously, I'm Brooke Lopez, but I also put that on Coach Bud. Like, what are you doing? Like, that's a terrible play he drew up. Um, at the end of, at the end of game six, I think he did, like, they, with all the video replays and timeouts and stuff like that, they had, like, four or five out-of-bounds plays that you drew up nothing. You just chucked it up to Giannis, who was posting up KD or something. Anyways, both teams need better coaches. Uh, Coach Bud, he has a chance to win it, which would be crazy. And uh, Steve Nash, I don't think he should be the guy for the Nets. But maybe he, I think, I think, I don't think they're going to fire him. I think he's going to stay there. And the team does have enough talent to um, surpass, like, the deficiencies that Steve Nash has. But as soon as an injury hit, as soon as a player has an off series, then that's when you really need a better coach. So we'll see if they keep him. Maybe they part ways. Maybe they don't. What do you guys think? It was a great series. I'm, I'm rambling. I, I I get excited just thinking about the series. I'm all over the place, but let me know what you guys thought of the series and should the Nets keep Steve Nash. Moving along, Ben Simmons, my guy, you had a terrible series. You shot the you shot free throws worse than anybody in NBA history, worse than Shaq, worse than anybody. You were just terrible. You didn't score in the fourth quarter. Um, I see tweets that say that the Hawks or Ben Simmons was held to five points or four points nobody even he wasn't held to five points that's the most he could muster like uh held means like i don't know i i i feel like that phrase should be saved for like when a scorer or somebody that's good at scoring are getting buckets like like trey young he had a rough night i believe he ended up with 20 points or i don't know how many he finished up but let's say trey young only got 12 points then you could say you know what the sixers held trey young to 12 points because you know there was an effort by the Sixers to stop Trey Young, a good scorer who was who's obviously trying to get buckets. I think that's when that phrase makes sense. You know, the Sixers held uh Devin Booker or you know the Suns held a PG-13 to set amount of points. <laughs> saying Ben saying that the that the Hawks held Ben Simmons to 5 points is giving Ben Simmons way too much credit because he 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 couldn't even try. He didn't even try. He 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 can't even score more than five points. He's he's atrocious on the offensive end. It, sh- it should say like uh, the Hawks were surprised that Ben Simmons scored five points or 
Ben Simmons miraculously scored five points. Uh, I don't know. I'm just very frustrated with Ben Simmons. Uh, I, I don't understand what he does in the offseason. Uh, if you guys look up articles on Google by date, I don't know how to do it. But if you guys were to look up articles by Ben Simmons, I feel like we get the same articles uh, around the same time for the last three, four years. Every time the Sixers fall out of the playoffs, I just saw an article that said, oh, the Sixers have a plan with Ben Simmons this offseason to work on his shot. There's definitely a similar article from 2020, from 2019, from 2018. There's definitely been articles for Ben Simmons in the last few years saying the same thing. At this point, if you're a writer for Bleacher Report, if you're a writer for ESPN, if you're a writer for you know any of these other um, sports networks, articles, uh, websites, anything... You could probably have a, a draft written up for next year. If he's still there with the Sixers, even if he's not with the Sixers, I don't really have too much faith in Ben Simmons to work on his shot, to work on his free throws. I could probably start up drawing uh, a draft for next offseason, for next next uh, postseason, saying the exact same thing. Said team, you can just leave it blank because I do think Ben Simmons is going to be on the way out. He's going to go to a team. I don't know how much the Sixers are going to get for him, but I think he's on the way out. But I could, I could start... Writing my draft right now. Said team is going to work with Ben Simmons um, on his free throws, on his shooting, on his aggressiveness for next year. So I could put, if, if this is 2021, it's going to be 2022 going into the 2023 season. I could I could start working on it already because I have no faith in Ben Simmons to work on his shot, to work on his free throws, to work on his game, to do anything on the offensive side. He's better in the... People seem to be flabbergasted, seems to be confused why he's a little bit better in the regular season than in the postseason. And that's because in the regular season, you get more fast breaks. Defense is way more loose. Not everyone's trying. Teams are tanking. So in transition, Ben Simmons is great. He's amazing. He has he has one of the best court visions in the NBA. He, he knows how to put the, enough spin, enough English, enough force on the ball to get it to the open open shooter he like he he's found Seth Curry on the corner a lot of times he and in the fast break and it's like damn that looks good but that's that's pretty much all he's good at he could score some transition points he could tag the back back it the bucket in transition or he could find the open shooter the open cutter in transition once you get into the half court he's terrible people sag off him you can only put him in the low block and even then you could just Hack him, and he's going to make, what, 35 at the very best, maybe 45% of his free throws. It's just embarrassing. First overall pick. Um, supposed to be the next LeBron. Like, come on, what are you doing, man? He, not much, apparently. But the Sixers, Joe Embiid, I give him props. You know, he's one of the best centers. He's one of the best big men in the NBA. He was playing on a torn meniscus, yeah, or slightly torn ACL, whatever it was. Uh, he he, you know he left it out on the court. Yeah, it's getting annoying. That he, it seems he seems to be injured every season. But with a talent like that, with someone that's gonna leave it all out on the court, who's developed his game, his mid range was improved a lot tremendously this year, and his three point shot is getting better again. It's going almost back to his rookie season when he was hitting them at a at a good clip. And he's just an amazing talent. He was MVP candidate. He's gonna continue to be an MVP MVP candidate if he can stay healthy. But Ben Simmons just seems to not. He he likes to be a star. He he's not working on his game. And I, honestly, I'm tired. Uh, I feel sorry for Philly fans. I know that 
I don't feel too bad for them because they are one of the more brutal fan bases in the NBA and in all the sports. But I don't know who trades for Ben Simmons. Um, I don't think he could be a two on the team. People are saying, are flirting, are saying that he should go to a team that could build around him, just get shooters. I would not build around Ben Simmons. He, I, he, I don't think he could be a one. If people have questions about John as being a one, um, especially if he would have lost that game seven against the Bucks, people would have said that there's no way he should be a one. There's absolutely no way Ben Simmons could be a number one. And I would argue that he probably can't even be your number two. And even a three. He should probably be a three at tops. He's heading towards the um, Andrew Wiggins route where he showed some promise in his first year. Andrew Wiggins was a 20-plus point scorer. And you were like, okay, he's going to be great. He, he doesn't have the best you know, percentages. He's in the low 40s, the low 30s for his three. But he's already a 20-plus point scorer. He's going to continue to get better as he ages and that never happened he was always for the first three seasons he was a 20 point scorer but with bad shooting percentages uh his assists his rebounds weren't there he never really understood the game of basketball ben simmons completely different he understands the game of basketball he's smarter he's a good passer he can get some rebounds but his offensive game is a whole and it's not improving um his rookie year i believe he averaged like 16 like around 16 17 points like eight rebounds, eight assists, and you're like, okay, this fool might average a triple double for his career. Like he's gonna be amazing. Like once he gets a shot, he's gonna be amazing. Well, we're four or five years in, and he doesn't have a shot. His free throws are regressing. He's not even attempting shots. I don't know how much more time are we gonna get Ben Simmons before we just accept that he's not that guy. He's just uh, a more athletic Draymond Green that has that that is missing Draymond Green's intensity. And desire to win and desire to, you know, be a good player in the championship team. But I digress. That's enough of Ben Simmons. Um, I hope I hope he puts in the work this offseason, but I'm not too hopeful that he is. And I do think he's going to get traded. I think uh, the Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid experiment has to end uh, for everyone's sake. For Joel Embiid, he deserves a better co-star, someone that suits him better, someone that can shoot, someone that can stretch the floor and free up the paint. For Ben Simmons, like if he's ever going to fix it, it's not going to be in Philly. He deserves to maybe get a fresh start somewhere else. Wimbledon starts on June 28th. Federer is going to be there. Djokovic is going to be there. Nadal, unfortunately, isn't. Andy Murray is coming back. Um, who do I think is going to win? Though I think there's going to be an upset. Djokovic enters as the heavy favorite, as he should. Uh, he's in amazing form now. He just won his second French Open, um, defeating Nadal in the semis, defeating Tsitsipas in the final after being down 0-2. Um, do I think Federer has a chance? Do I think Tsitsipas has a chance? Do I think Andy Murray has a chance coming back to get his third Wimbledon? Um, do I think uh, Medvedev? Has a chance, or is Djokovic gonna get his third Grand Slam of the year after win- winning the Australian, winning the French? Ah, man. I wish I could come up here and you know give you guys something different, give you guys a different take, 
maybe uh, go go with a bold prediction, go with a bold take, you know, some some type of sound bite that will sound flashy, that will sound cool. You know, you know what? For the first time, there's going to be a first time winner. It's going to be, you know, Tissipas. He's going to get revenge from the French Open. Or, you know, Medvedev, he's going to get his first ever Wimbledon. Or, or something like, you know, real catchy, like the hometown hero. Andy Murray is going to come back from injury and from not really competing these last few years. And he's going to, you know, get his third Wimbledon. Or Federer, he's going to, at the age, at the ripe age of 39, he's going to, you know, get another Wimbledon, add another Wimbledon to his many, many Wimbledon wins. But I am not going to give you any of those hot takes because I truly believe that Djokovic is going to win his 20th title, his 20th Grand Slam um, in July, come July time. He's I, I he's just in too hot of a form. Uh, he's the number one ranked tennis player for, for a reason. Federer coming off three knee surgeries is not the same. Uh, Andy Murray is not the same. And I just don't believe any of these guys that could potentially be first-time winners of Wimbledon have it in them to to beat Djokovic at this level uh with this mindset he's just every interview that he 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 seems to have he 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 talks about you know getting getting that 20th title catching up to Nadal and Federer uh he's the one out of the big three he's the one that acknowledges that he wants to end up with the most grand slam victories out of all of them um it's a goal for him it's and and with the level that he's playing at right now, with the le- with the comp- with the way the field of competition is looking, I just don't, I just don't see him not walking away in July with Wimbledon, and yeah, sound hot takes and sound bites like the ones I mentioned sound cool, and they would you know they probably would have gotten more replies and they probably would have you know, uh, gotten more reactions, but I just honestly I don't believe it. I don't think it's gonna happen, so I can't say it. I do just think that Djokovic is in a very good form right now and no one is going to touch him will i be surprised if it happens yes absolutely um will i what i there would be some historic stuff like he's such a favorite in my opinion to win Wimbledon that if if he goes down it, it would be almost the same as not as when he beat nadal in um rolling garros because that was crazy no one thought that could happen and I'm putting, I'm, I'm almost putting them even. Like Djokovic is in such good form that if he was to go down in Wimbledon, it would shock me almost as much as it shocked me, or maybe the same type of shock that I had when Djokovic beat Nadal in Roland Garros. It would be that type of shock. So the hard to handle prediction for Wimbledon 2021 is an easy one. Djokovic, in my heart of hearts, is gonna win. 2021 Wimbledon but let me know what you guys think is is there a possibility that Federer has a you know Cinderella story and gets another one or Andy Murray maybe or any of these up-and-coming tennis players uh let me know what's the argument behind that because personally I just don't see it happening but yeah let me know and I'll I'll hit you guys back up but that should be it for this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This is a quick episode. Just wanted to touch on what's going on in the NBA playoffs and give my predictions on Wimbledon. I will be making an episode shortly giving my predictions for the Euros, uh, for the quarterfinals, for the knockout rounds. The Euros have been moving a, a bit too quickly for me to catch up to make videos, but I'll try to get more out as um, it gets in the knockout ranges. 
And uh, yeah, I hope you guys are enjoying all the sports that are going on right now. And have a great rest of your day.